Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 89. Today, I'll be interviewing speech-language pathologist and children's book author, Lisa Clority. Lisa is an author of children's books and a pediatric speech-language pathologist. Her debut picture book, Katie Specter, The Art Collector, was released in September 2021 with Charming Books Press. Lisa's second picture book, Terrence the Hothead, will be releasing March 7, 2022, which is um, this coming Monday. Um, most of Lisa's stories revolve around community, family, and self-acceptance. Learn more about Lisa on her website, which will also be on links from my website, lisaclorityBooks.com. So thank you so much for being here today, Lisa. I'm really excited for you to talk about your new book. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited too. I'm excited to be here. So... The first question I wanted to start with is just for anyone who may not know about your book, um, is just to first talk about like a summary of what Terrence the Hothead is about as a picture book. Um, And also just talk a little bit about the process in writing and publishing it. Sure, absolutely. Um, So Terrence the Hothead is basically, it's a book about a hot-headed teapot who's always getting upset and sort of blowing his lid over small problems. But for him, nothing ever feels small. Everything feels big and hot. And so because of those feelings, it makes makes it hard for him to know if there's another girl in his class, Lainey Cup, if she wants to be his friend or if she's teasing him with jokes. And so he basically has to learn how to calm himself down. And if he's able to do that, then... It might be just the start of my punny, a brutiful friendship. <laughs> yeah, I love, I also love the language in the book. Um, just it's, I just, I, I feel like it's, it's a great story, but then it's also great for phonemic awareness as well, which, and vocabulary, which as a speech pathologist, we always look from that perspective. Yes, absolutely. That was definitely a focus for me was, getting as many pragmatic language, social language concepts and skills into one small package as I could. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I just, I would love for you to talk a little bit about like, from like what inspired you to write the story to the, you know, the publication process. Sure. Absolutely. So I wrote this book actually three years ago. So I wrote it when my son was sort of in his, terrible twos phase. And simultaneously, I was working with a student who really was struggling a lot with emotional regulation. There was a lot of big feelings while we were working together, both, you know, in therapy, and then it was really translating into school. And he was struggling so much, you know, with peer relationships and making friends. And I, at the time, both you know, for my own family and for work, I was searching for books about um, managing big feelings. And there were some, but I really felt like I wanted to find something that felt relatable and fun, but also in line with a lot of the programs that are being taught in schools and we're using in therapy. And I couldn't find just that. 
And at that point in time, I was already writing, you know, I was in critique groups and writing groups. And um, so the idea of finding stories where I, I felt as a parent and a therapist, I needed them wasn't foreign to me. And so I sort of began that journey of creating the story. And I thought, you know, what better character to be raging hot temper than a teapot. Um, and I submitted the book actually to ASHA, which is the American Speech Language and Hearing Association. And when I submitted it to them about, you know, two and a half years ago, Lady Gray, who's one of the characters in the book, she was a teacher and she wasn't a speech pathologist. And so when I submitted the book to ASHA, I changed that character a bit to sort of have it be in line with their message and, and their focus. And I have to tell you, the book, when I got the approval that they emailed me saying that they were accepting the book, it was like end of March 2020 when like the world was really shutting down. And it was such a beacon of light for me in that time where we were really deep into, you know, homeschooling and, you know, isolation in a way. And um, I felt like even more so it was needed for me and, you know, therapeutically. And I felt like for my students as we were transitioning so much in that time. And it was interesting because the publication date of the book was originally going to be June 2022. Then they switched it to November 2021, which I was a little worried about because that was the month after my first book, Katie Spectre, the Art Collector, was supposed to release. And I wasn't sure how I was going to navigate both. And then in the end, with just the craziness of the pandemic, it landed in March, you know, this March on Monday, 2022. And I think that was really, it, we landed in a good time, but I also felt like it was a little symbolic to the emotional highs and lows of when things were happening, you know, uh, that the book was even more so needed. And I think also one of the things that surprised me in that early process was um, have, uh, having or learning about the extent of the back matter that Asha wanted to include in the book. There's seven pages of back matter, which is really unusual for a book to have quite that much information in the back. And I think, you know, again, during that shutdown time, it was such a joy to, you know, be able to escape into the research and, you know, extending the information beyond the book into what it turned into today. Um, and then it really took like about a year. After a year, we started working more closely together and I had this really specific image of what I wanted the book to look like. With Katie Spector, The Art Collector, my first book, everything was, you know, artistic. It was watercolor and sweeping soft images. And I felt like with Terrence the Hothead, I just had this vision early on that I really wanted like more clean lines. I wanted it to be bold and bright. And um, I was so fortunate that Asha let me be a part of picking the illustrator and choosing that piece because the minute I saw Alex Lopez, he's the illustrator of the book, I saw his work and, and he's a really experienced illustrator. And I, I felt like immediately connected to the pictures. And I knew I wanted someone with that kind of experience because I really felt like with Terrence the Hothead, it was a tall order to ask an illustrator to create a book about emotions and feelings where every character in the book is an inanimate object. And um, he really did such a masterful job of, of bringing my vision to life and, and not only having each character, you know, 
have emotions, but also sort of creating a personality for each one of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's not, it, it is challenging to make sure that each character, because I've written books about um, feelings and it's, you know, facial expressions, you know, whether it's a person or an inanimate object, it's got to be right when you talk yep. about feelings, because this is because kids are very visual. And when they're listening to the book and they're seeing the pictures, especially in a picture book, it really has to represent it really, really well for the kids, I think, to really understand it in that, in that way. And I just want to get to the concept of emotional regulation, because I know we're talking about that um, a lot. And for anyone out there who may not know what emotional regulation is, if we could just take a step back and just talk a little bit about, you know, what that is, what that concept is, um, just so that, you know, it's so people know what it is. Sure. Absolutely. So the, by definition, emotional regulation is the ability to identify and express emotions in socially appropriate ways. But I would say even more importantly, it's sort of when we as people or children, we, when we can delay those reactions and those behaviors so that we're able to sort of control our behavior and calm ourselves down. And I think an important piece of that is that when we're able to sort of regulate our emotions then we can have more meaningful friendships, positive relationships. Um, and I think also, I mean, the book is definitely the main focus of the story is on emotional regulation, but I really wanted the book to encompass other areas of social pragmatic language skills. And I, I, that was purposeful as I was creating the text to sort of also have concepts like identifying emotions and abstract language you know, I had a really fun time creating like, like you know, teapot puns and jokes and idioms um, and also perspective taking because, you know, when I created the story and was inspired by the story, it was a student who wasn't able to regulate his emotions and it really was impacting him socially. And I wanted that concept, you know, that abstract concept of perspective taking to be incorporated in the story. In, in a fun and relatable way that kids would want to read about and, and read over and over again. I think kind of the key with creating books like this is there is a message there, but not hammering the message over kids' heads. I mean, kids are smarter than we give them credit for, and they know when they're reading a book and it's written by an adult trying to teach them something. And so I really try to keep that teaching in the back matter and keep the story as something that is enjoyable to read that you're sort of subtly learning something along the way. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I agree that, you know, it's one, actually, actually, it's one of those things I learned from one of the other authors that, um, the author of Stitches, and we talked in my other podcast, talks about um, the concept of a story and that, you know, you're just going to have these embedded kind of value, these things that you're going to learn, like these valuable lessons that you're going to learn from the story that's not, the only, it's not the only thing about the story. It's a story, but inherently we're going to learn from it. Um, and I wanted to get into the terms, which I really liked, uh, the terms simmer, steam, and boil. Um, I think that's like a really good way to describe feelings. And I never thought about describing it like that. And I think, you know, it's when you relate it to a teapot, I just feel like it's really easy to understand. And it's like, just one of those things that I think kids will really get. 
Um, so can you talk a little bit about that and, you know, and the incorporation of those terms in your book? Sure. Absolutely. I, to be honest, when I created that concept that I definitely was using my therapist hat and, and, and it was on while I was creating that portion of the story. I think I really, I wanted there to be a repetition of a specific concept like that over and over in the book. Not so much that it like dominated the story, but enough that kids would would internalize and remember, recall those concepts so that if a therapist or a parent or a teacher wanted to use that as a cue later on when, you know, talking with a child or working with a child, that they would be able to recall and remember it from the story. And I had many other terms that I tried to use this with. And I use, you know, my own kids and my students sort of as my guinea pigs for different terms while I was thinking about the story. And that, that simmer, steam and boil concept is the one that really stuck. And, you know, I, I would have moments, you know, at home or, or in therapy where I would, you know, I would see those kids you know, you know, when that engine is getting hot and you can see the wheels are turning, the, the train is going in the direction, you know, when kids are already at the point where they're boiling over, it's too late really to, exactly. to sort of redirect them in that way. And there's, you know, there's concepts in the back matter of the book that help at that point as well. But I think in those moments when I've said, you know, I can see you're, you know, you're getting a little frustrated. Do you think you're at a simmer, a steam or a boil? I think when they've read the book from, you know, the experience I had, the book is funny. And, you know, when I bring it back to that concept, I get a smile like, okay, you know, I guess I'm out of steam, you know, and I think just that moment where I'm able to take them out of their emotions and use those terms to cue them was enough in some, you know, in many instances to really be able to have them have a little bit of perspective taking. Is this a big problem or a small problem? Is this, a, am I about to have a big reaction or a small reaction? And that's something that I think, you know, a lot of parents, a lot of teachers, you know, would be able to relate to and would be able to use. I also wanted like those terms to, to feel natural within the story so that, it, you know, it would be able to sort of make concrete a concept that is very abstract. And I think for a lot of kids, you know, any child, but also kids with special needs, with social skills, difficulties, that abstract language, they learn better when there's a concrete term or a phrase. And, you know, with Asha, they, I can't say enough at how willing they were to sort of hear my ideas and my thoughts about the story and, um, and the way it would look and the back matter afterward. And one of the things I really pushed on was that, I wanted there to be a worksheet. I felt like if we were going to have this extensive a back matter, I wanted there to be something back there that parents could photocopy, teachers, therapists, and they could hang it on the fridge. They could have it in their classroom so that kids could see that visual of the simmer, steam, and boil. And hopefully if it was in front center of view in different places, it would bring them back to the story and also hopefully help them cool down so that they're able to make better choices and that incorporates to better friendships and feeling better about themselves. And I also just think a good way to also teach kids these terms is modeling it themselves because, you know, because kids aren't the only, like they're not the only ones to have big feelings, right? Yeah. Because like adults have it also. And I think 
you know, modeling that behavior as well. Cause like sometimes we may get upset about certain things and you could even be like, Oh, I'm, I'm simmering right now, or I'm steaming, (laughs) you know, because especially during the the pandemic there's, and especially now there's just always so many, you know, there's a lot of highs and lows of things. And I think for also for kids to realize that, you know, that adults also have these big feelings, but it's like, how do we, we can have the same feeling, but how do we work with it? How do we regulate it? Um, Absolutely. And I think that's one of the great ways, like if you see that, say like, you know, I don't know, their parent or let's say um, the mom's like, oh, I'm really starting to get upset. I'm starting to simmer, but I'm going to just go take a walk or I'm going to take a deep breath or I'm going to do whatever it is to maybe relax so that kids don't feel like it's only them that are have big feelings. Right. I Um, think absolutely. And that was sort of the hope. I hope that this story, you know, I think at school, they're learning a lot of these concepts, but if you have a book like this at home, then you're bringing that learning and that those concepts home. And hopefully, you know, my hope would be that if a parent is getting, you know, simmer they're they're getting to that steam boil area that maybe a child would come over and bring that book to the parent and say you know you look like this I can see Terrence you know in the story you can see his facial expression and how it changes as his anger is growing and also I really wanted in the story for kids and parents to be able to look at the people around Terrence you know there's another character Lainey Cup who really just wants to be his friend and is working so hard towards creating this friendship And he's sort of misreading it. And I wanted kids to be able to look at each picture and talk about with their parents. Like, do you see that, you know, Terrence is feeling upset, just like mommy or daddy or grandma or any caregiver feels upset sometimes too. And look at the people around Terrence and seeing how that big reaction, you know, makes them feel. Exactly. Exactly. Right. No, I, I really like that. And I'm just, so to kind of go into my next question is, you know, let's say using this book within the classroom or home, you know, you've been bringing up the, the back matter of the book and there is a lot of great information in the back of the book. Can you talk a little bit about that and, you know, what's included in the book? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so One of the things that I've really been enjoying as a parent with kids now in elementary school is how much more now than when I was young, um, they're really focusing on social emotional learning. And, you know, as a speech pathologist, I focus on that for years, but I, you know, I work in private setting and I don't work in the school. And so now as a parent, seeing the focus that they've brought using like in, in Connecticut, where we are, they use this Yale Center for emotional intelligence. And that's what's being incorporated in the school. And, you know, personally, I've always used Michelle Garcia winners, her social thinking program, which is fantastic too. Um, And I really feel like, especially like you said, back at the, during the pandemic, emotions have run very high. And I think all of us, kids included, have really struggled with rapid changes and schedule routine in our life you know, wearing masks, not wearing them in school, quarantine, there's been so much change so quickly. And I think for a lot of people, especially kids, this time has really tested our emotional resolve and our ability to be flexible and to sort of ride the wave of change. And I think for some kids that happens easily and for some of them, it doesn't. And I think, you know, 
I'm hoping that the back matter, both the story and the back matter in the book are going to help, you know, OT, it could be OTs or guidance counselors, therapists, parents, speech pathologists, teachers, anyone really find the practical aspect of, you know, what is just a fun story, but being able to talk about those things, you know, there is a lot of information like being able to practice. Here's a situation, you know, you tell me how you'd feel in this situation. Um, There's questions about some of the abstract language in the book. There's information about those key terms that we talked about. And the other aspect, which Asher really wanted, and I'm happy that they did, was the social emotional milestones. I think for, for some families, we did a lot of homeschooling and there was a lot of changes. And for them having a tool that they could look at and say, like, I'm seeing all these big feelings. I'm seeing all this stuff happening. And then looking back to the back of the book and saying, oh, I can see that this is typical for children of this age, or maybe parents don't always know, or they could say this, you know, this seems like it's maybe a bit more extreme than, you know, the milestones allow. And and it could be a jumping off point for them to sort of feel empowered to ask those questions at school and, you know, to talk to their children more about their feelings so that, you know, during this uncertain time, they're able to come together in a way that, you know, maybe we wouldn't have otherwise. Right. And I also think just one thing I also wanted to talk about a little bit, just to kind of add to it was the concept of talking about your feelings. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm a, that's all I do is talk about my feelings, but I, (laughs) I take it to another level, but. um, Me too. Me too. That's the therapist and us, the speech pathologist. (laughs) I know, but I, I just feel like so many times, at least also the kids that I work with, with complex communication needs, it's like, you know, it's like one of the first things I really teach them is the concepts of, you know, all these different, you know, the language that we use to express our emotions and that there's happy, sad, and a thousand feelings in between. Right. And I think one of the first steps is teaching, you know, giving kids that language and those words to be able to talk about their feelings, because a lot of times we just assume that kids like know what those feelings mean. Yeah. But a lot of times they don't. And so, you know, or we may skip, let's say like how they're feeling and maybe just only talk about how, let's say how someone else is feeling. But I think it's hard for kids to have perspective taking if they don't recognize their own feelings. Um, I I, I totally agree. Yeah. That's one thing that I feel like I talk about a lot. And sometimes like some people feel like, well, what, you know, if they're feeling, let's just say frustrated, does it mean that I have to always solve their problem? And sometimes I'm like, you know what? you could feel something. It doesn't mean that they're going to get, they're going to get something immediately to relieve that. Sometimes it's just that being able to express the feeling is enough to be able to regulate, you know, sometimes we don't always know. We don't always know like why maybe sometimes you could be like cranky and it's like, well, why are you cranky? I don't know why I'm cranky. I just, (laughs) right. So it's like, well, what am I going to do to make myself feel better? And I think it's, um, I don't know. I just can't stress that enough is like just teaching that language is so important. And I think your book would be a great way to, you know, talk about those feelings and like a nice visual representation. Yeah. And I think you, you definitely hit on a lot of important things where there's that, that level of just being able to recognize your feelings. And like you said, feelings are complex. It's not always, you could be cranky and excited, right? There's, you know, two feelings can come together and that in itself is abstract. But then 
adding the layers above that, like being able to identify your own emotions, being able to recognize the emotions of others, being able to understand how your emotions affect the people around you. So it really, it starts with just, like you said, being able to recognize the emotions of yourself. And I think there's so much that builds upon that. And all of those pieces and all of that knowledge are really what helps kids as they're developing friendships and navigating through the world as an emotional creature and person to being able to, you know, make friends and understand when people are upset at them and understanding when, you know, in conversation, things are working and things aren't. And I love how you sort of hit on the importance of, you know, being able to do some of that for yourself, because when I was writing the story, it was really important in my book. And honestly, in all the books that I write, I I really try and make a very strong effort so that the child, the character in the book sort of has agency over making the change. And, you know, you can, as a, as a parent or an adult, tell a child a million times, like, you know, you need to try and calm down or take a breath or give them strategies. But at the end of the day, there comes a point, right? There comes a point where they have to have agency. And I really wanted in this book for Terrence to sort of have the support of adults, right? He has his grandmother, Granny Kettle, and he has his coach, Ice-T, and he has Lady Grey, who's, you know, an educator for him. And they're all helping to reinforce this important concept of regulating our emotions. But at the end of the day, he was able to be to be the one that made the change for himself. He decided in that moment, you know, I don't want to give away all the book, but, you know, he decided in that moment, you know, and used what the adults had told him. But he, at the end of the day, took agency over his friendships and his emotions. And I felt like I hoped that that would be a powerful message for kids that, you know, an adult can tell you something, but at the end of the day, like you are the one who has the power to to make that change and to see that positive change in your life and in your emotions. Yeah. And also just the other thing I wanted to add to, which I talk about a lot, you know, in, in my work with kids in schools is that it's, we don't always have to have positive feelings. Teaching negative feelings is also really good. Teaching that language, that negative feelings doesn't, is not a bad thing. You know, I think sometimes kids misunderstand like, Oh, if they're upset, it's, it's bad. I shouldn't be upset. Um, so I, I like that you have like a range of different feelings. And sometimes when you're upset, it's a good opportunity to, to work through how to feel better. Absolutely. So, you know, and like, also just honoring sometimes, like you said, that you don't always have to feel better right away. Sometimes that takes time. Sometimes you can work on these strategies and, you know, at the end of the day, like being able to have ownership of your feelings, whether they're good, bad, frustrated, excited, or a mash of all of those things is it's an important lesson for parents, you know, in addition to their kids, you know, or educators in addition to their kids. Exactly. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, I'm like really excited for you to release this book. And um, just before we end, I wanted to just talk a little bit about, you know, any other books you have on the horizon or anything else that, you know, you wanted to mention before we ended and we finished up? Um, 
So my first book, it's been a, a busy six months. So um, Katie Spector, The Art Collector was my debut picture book, um, my original baby. And so that is available now um, on my website if anyone's interested. And Terrence the Hothead, like I said, in a few more days, it'll be released into the world. And, you know, I'm going to continue doing what I love, which is writing for children and working with children and, you know, see where that journey leads me with other manuscripts and stories. And um, I I just thank you for sort of being part of the journey with me in, in this exciting time and, and helping to share the message and spread the word. Yeah, I'm really, I'm excited to, I mean, I have the, um, you know, I have the PDF, but I'm excited to get the hardcover of the book and to start also using it there because I, I love those concepts of that you talked about the simmering and the boiling. Cause I talk a lot about, you know, the terms, I feel a little upset or I feel a lot upset or I feel really happy or I feel like <laughs> just a little. And so I, I talk a lot about that with kids that it's not just always one thing, right? Like yep. there, there's a, you know, that sometimes you could feel a lot of emotion and sometimes maybe you're just a little bit bored or whatever it is. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I love that and I'm excited to, um, you know, be on this journey with you. So thank you so much for being here today with me today. And I wish you all the luck in the world with the, with the new book um, and any future stories. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language Sharing Mealtime. Time. 